Spoiler alert for all of Tony Stark's story going forward and Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Welcome back to Marvel Maniac, and MCU after show. This is your host, Eric Cicada, a.k.a. Mr. Honest, back with you for another episode about a film that will go down in history. Oh, wait, it already has. It's been 10 years since this movie came out. Iron Man 3. I love this movie. It sets a lot in motion for Phase 2. It is the first opening film of Phase 2. We have covered... All of Phase 1 on this podcast, you go back in our catalog, you can find Iron Man through the Avengers, except we haven't covered The Incredible Hulk with um, Edward Norton yet, so that might be a retrospective look I'll do at some point in the future. Let me know if you're interested in that, marvelmaniacpod at gmail.com. Iron Man 3 was released on May 3rd, 2013, and it was a follow-up to The Avengers. About a year later, we hadn't gotten anything yet, and finally... Iron Man 3 was coming out, and fans couldn't be more excited about this release. Uh, It would show a lot about the fallout of the Avengers and where Phase 2 was going, inevitably. Today, we're going to break down Iron Man 3, talk about what happens in it, talk about the characters and their journeys, the themes and motifs, talk about its place on the sacred timeline, and its greater impact on the MCU as a whole. Before we get started, a reminder to follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter, Marvel Maniac Pod, or also patreon.com slash Marvel Maniac. Assemble with us. Okay, let's get into this movie. Iron Man 3 starts with an opening scene in Switzerland in 1999, and we meet one of Tony's ex-lovers. It's not really like a long-term thing. I think he like really met her there, but he had an kind of a, a, an affair with this woman named Maya Hansen. A greater thing to point out in the opening of this movie and the conclusion of this movie is it's a narration by Tony. In the opening, Tony is talking about how we create our own demons while we see several of his Iron Man suits being exploded from a point later in the film when his mansion is being attacked. And then we cut to Switzerland back in 1999, 13 years prior. At this conference, Tony makes two mistakes that culminate into one giant one. Uh, number one, he helps Maya create a formula that we learn later we learn this later in the movie but we'll add it to the equation now um he helps maya create the formula to create this thing called extremis which she's working on um it's basically to help humans heal and regenerate like lost body parts and whatnot so it is kind of an amazing thing the second mistake he makes is ditching aldrich killian uh a scientist who is funding AIM, which is Advanced Idea Mechanics, a think tank that he has going on. Um, he's trying to get Tony in on the ground floor of this thing, and his uh, like whole persona is very like abrasive to Tony, and Tony abandons Aldrich and tells him to meet him on the roof. Um, so this guy, who he kind of underestimates, Tony ditches, and then the next morning, as b- before Tony leaves, he solves uh, Maya's equation for Extremis, and this is Tony creating his demons in 1999, setting the course for this movie and all the events for this movie. Because while Aldrich Killian offered Tony and Maya cards, Tony didn't take his card, but Maya did take Aldrich's card. And they connected, and throughout the next 13 years, they'd been working on Extremis. Um, This is all kind of revealed throughout the movie Iron Man 3 through twists and turns, um, but it's kind of cool how it all comes together. 
Another thing that happened on New Year's Eve in Switzerland was that Tony also met Jensen, the guy who helps him get out of the cave in the first Iron Man. So it's a nice callback to him. And also, it's kind of amazing that Jensen introduces Tony to a heart doctor who, at the end of the film, finally helps Tony get the shrapnel, shrapnel, am I saying it right, out of his heart. So had the events of this movie had not taken place, Tony might not have remembered even seeing Jensen at the conference and thinking to call that amazing doctor. By the way, Happy, played by John Favreau, is looking really good at the conference in 1999, and he even mentions it in Spider-Man No Way Home down the road. Happy sees they used a picture of him from this era. It was his good picture. Throughout the movie, Tony is experiencing extreme PTSD following the events of the Avengers, the attack on New York, the Chitauri, um, him bringing the mass weapon of destruction into the wormhole to destroy the chitauri army um floating into space nearly dying kind of takes a little bit of a toll on a guy so along with the ptsd tony is also staying up for like 72 hours at a time building all of these iron man suits that we get to see at the end of the movie uh it's super cool what we get to see uh like all of tony's creations and what the tinker does with his time when he is thinking about the aliens coming back and the repercussions that the battle of new york could actually have he doesn't see that battle of new york as the end he sees it as the beginning and he's maybe one of the first if only that kind of sees the threat of thanos coming from maybe a thousand miles away in a way tony's fear in this movie is that of thanos like what is running this army why are we being attacked how could we be attacked again? He doesn't know Thanos directly, but he, he knows the idea of Thanos. So at this point in the MCU, Tony is on Mark 42, his 42nd Iron Man suit. Pepper at one point assumes he's on Mark 17, which kind of goes to show where you think he'd be at at this point compared to where he is and how much he's been working on his technology. The Mark 42 is definitely a work in progress in this movie, and it's the suit that flies to Tony in a million different pieces. And we see that utilized throughout this movie in a lot of different ways. And Tony does these arm gestures um, because he puts these things in the beginning of the movie in his arms that kind of allow the suit to fly to him uh, or do different things depending on Tony's gesture to the suit. There's a Christmas backdrop to this movie. It's subtle, but it's there. This all takes place around Christmas time. From when I saw this in theaters, I remember the twist being really well locked down. At least I had no idea that the twist in this movie was coming in that Trevor Slattery is the Mandarin. And the Mandarin in the first literally half of this film is the threat along with the Ten Rings who we know kind of helped and assisted with Tony's kidnapping in the first Iron Man movie and we later learn a lot more about the Ten Rings and Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings they do exist the movie does a great job of making the Mandarin feel like a real threat he is wearing the rings and he is threatening and he's kind of scary you know he, he does some really threatening things including talking like this <laughs> I mean the, it's a big show is what we learn um even I mean, I don't know if they go into explanation about the guy that they have hostage in front of the president and when he gets the president on the phone and he, tr he tells the president if he calls him, um, he won't kill the guy, but he actually just shoots the guy anyway. Um, I think that was made up, but I don't know if they actually go into that in this movie. I might have missed it. I watched the movie a couple times and I don't, I don't know if he actually hurt that guy. Um, from what Tra Trevor says later in the film, um, he, he eventually says, 
he had no idea it was real. So he was being kind of tricked. But I, I, I don't really know if Trevor's like lying in that because Trevor's like on drugs and he's kind of like all over the place. He does say he was suffering from an addiction at one point, um, and that's kind of how they got him in. So he was they were holding him hostage and making him do this stuff in a way. But then you see all like <laughs> the women that are, that are surrounding him, and uh, you don't really I don't really know like I, that's why Trevor goes to jail. That's why Trevor goes to jail. You know, Trevor kind of deserves to be imprisoned after pretending to be a terrorist. Like he 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 knowingly did that, and that's why Iron Man tells him at one point, "You're still going down for this." However, the comparison from the Mandarin to Trevor is just hilarious, and that reveal plays out so well. Um, if you're buying into the Mandarin plot, um, you might be a little shocked, you might feel a little hurt, but it, it does a good, it does a great job, and it makes sense. Like it, it fits for the plot of this movie. Although I know a lot of people wanted the Ten Rings at the time because they're a big. Um, the Mandarin is a big Iron Man villain, not only Shang Chi. Um, However, they wanted to save that for a later film. They set that up. At this point in the podcast, I just watched All Hail the King on Disney+, Plus, a Marvel one-shot that I never actually watched before, and shame on me for calling myself a Marvel maniac, a super fan, when I haven't seen a lot of the Marvel one-shots. And after watching All Hail the King, it makes me want to watch all of them almost right now. And Trevor Slattery, we get another look into his character in that... Um, and we know that the Ten Rings get him in Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Um, but we don't get to see how they do it. And we literally see in All Hail the King the breakout of Trevor Slattery. And it seems like it's being like interviewed for a he feel He thinks he's being interviewed for a TV show when in reality it's the Ten Rings come to get Trevor. Um, holding him for the time until phase four of the mcu when we get to see him again and shang chi and the legend of the ten rings literally in the mandarin's like he's like the mandarin's jester and he has a pet named morris from another dimension and his introduction in shang chi was so delightful um from seeing him all the way back in iron man 3 to now um that's what the mcu is all about introducing characters in one movie and then letting them burst out of a door in another um and all hail the king is a perfect glue between those two things um and the post credit scene for all hail the king there is one during the credits and it's justin hammer the arms dealer from iron man 2 um he has a, a new lover in prison and he's also um still lurking in the mcu and who knows what happens like after the snap and after all the events um leading into uh, end game and out of end game and uh, like w what's happened justin hammer will we ever see him again he's still he's still out there and i can only imagine when he gets out he is going to believe that he can fill the void that tony left so back to iron man 3 uh so trevor slattery is the mandarin and we learned that kind of halfway through the film but he is the looming threat the mandarin um over the film and even at the end of the movie um Aldrich Killian refers to himself as the Mandarin. So this name is being kind of used a lot in this movie, and it is the overarching villain. So Tony issues a threat directly on TV to the Mandarin. Well, he tells him that he's not afraid of him. And we get a lot of really great heroic actions from Tony Stark in this movie. Because um, he's like, I'm not afraid of you. <laughs> I really like that. Um, he, and he uh, kind of prompts the Mandarin or Aldrich Killian into bombing tony's mansion that we've gotten to know throughout the first two iron man movies 
Um, and we get kind of blindsided by this. The reason Tony says that I'm not afraid of you on TV is because he's visiting Happy in the hospital um, who got affected directly by the Mandarin's attack. Um, the Mandarin's taking credit for attacks in this movie, and he's used as a cover-up by Aldrich Killian, who's performing experiments with extremists on people, um, and when extremists enters the body, it either rejects it or accepts it, the body. And when the body rejects the extremists, the person just erupts into a huge explosion like a nuclear attack. So every time that happens, Aldrich Killian makes the Mandarin take credit, um, making it look like he is doing all these bombings across America. After Killian has a meeting with Pepper at Stark Industries, Happy is just so sus of Killian's bodyguard or assistant, uh, Savin, and he follows him into the selling of this extremist at the Chinese theater, and there's a whole big explosion there, and Happy almost dies. Um, and this is what kind of leads Tony into being really hellbent on getting the Mandarin. But he shouldn't have issued that threat on TV because... That just led to a direct attack on his house. So Tony investigates the crime scene and via dog tags that Happy was pointing to on the scene, he realizes he has to go to Tennessee and Maya Hansen shows up just at that very time before the attack, kind of throws him and Pepper off for Pepper's trying to like leave the house because of what Tony did. And then the attack comes in and Iron Man nearly dies in this attack. Um, and when he, he's drowning, he barely gets like this wire off, off of his throat. Um, he puts the suit on Pepper at one point to save her. And this is the first time we get to see Pepper in an Iron Man suit, which I thought was really cool. And, Pepper also saves Tony when she's in the suit. Um, and Tony's doing this with his hand gestures, you know, putting the suit on Pepper. Um, he later, at the end of the movie, puts the suit on Killian to explode it on him. Um, but he doesn't really die. Pepper, um, I'm jumping ahead, but Pepper uh, completely accepts the extremist in her body and, like, superheroes out at the end of this movie, doing, like, superhero flips. And, uh, Pepper actually saves the day at the end of this movie. She like throws an Iron Man missile at Kill Killian and uh, like explodes it with an Iron Man glove while she's all embodied with Extremis. Uh, Pepper is badass in this movie. It's a good hint for her stint in Endgame when she's in the Iron Man suit. I don't know why I call it a stint. <laughs> I mean, stint seems temporary. I don't know if Pepper's going to be like Iron, like I being Iron Woman outside of Endgame now. You know, like you see hints of in the MCU now that like they're hinting at like Pepper being an Iron Woman, and then we get it in Endgame. And are we going to get like more of Pepper in in the suit? Because like there's definitely a role to be filled. We do get Ironheart showing up way later. I'm jumping way ahead and outside of the box here, as I usually do on this show. If you're listening, you might be a little familiar with me going a little all over the place that's kind of what it's all about i don't want to just like refine one episode to iron man 3 because it's gonna tamper on like a nice retrospective discussion on you know from a perspective of someone who's seen everything before then we're kind of coming back um, so that's kind of why i do my episodes the way i do so tony autopilots to tennessee as he's knocked out incapacitated from the events of the attack on his mansion which is just completely obliterated his car's falling into the water and everything he it's gone and tony meets harley keener who we get to see standing at tony's funeral at the end of endgame um tone i don't mean to bring the like the saddest part of tony's story up right now uh but you know it's just nice that they pay homage to a character like this in this movie who helps tony out um, through his time in Tennessee and Tony's at a real low and believe it or not the kid kind of helps Tony focus up a couple times uh, Tony's still struggling from the PTSD um, kind of having gone through that flight 
uh, knocked out and having, you know, almost died from his mansion being exploded. Tony's like probably shooken up a little bit uh, once he's out there. And uh, Harley Keener kind of helps Tony keep his head on. And Tony pays him back at the end of the movie with like revamping his whole setup. Rhodey is in this movie, of course, and I feel like he's a little underutilized. He could have been put throughout the movie a little bit more, but this movie was really more focused on Tony's story, his PTSD, and I don't think they wanted to have too many plot threads running throughout. So they utilize Iron Patriot in this movie. He's no longer War Machine as a reaction to the threat from the Mandarin, and this isn't like receiving well on like different platforms and, and the news. Um, it's kind of being made a mockery of, including by Tony. Tony likes War Machine better. Um, however, Rhodey gets tricked at one point in the movie into going to catch the Mandarin, and instead Killian's army catches him. Killian kind of has an army of what I describe as mutants in this movie. The people who have accepted the extremists and are working for him, a lot of former soldiers, um, they are mutated and they glow orange and they're like superhumans. And it's like one of the first times we get to see this in the MCU. Some really cool action in Tennessee where Tony kind of has to work with what he's got and his wits. And it's kind of like a, a bit like when he's in the cave and he doesn't have anything to work with but the box of scraps. So when he's being attacked in Tennessee, he's sort of MacGyvering all over the place with the help of Harley. Um, this is kind of cool part where the water tower is being brought down by Savin. After the fight in Tennessee with Rhodey's login, Tony finally learns about the extremist program and assumes the Mandarin um, and Eldritch Killian are working together and Killian brought extremists to the Mandarin. Um, however, once he finally gets to Miami, where the Mandarin is headquartered, kind of red flagging Tony that something is off here, um, he learns about Trevor Slattery and the true identity of the Mandarin being Killian. But before Tony can do anything about it, he is knocked out, incapacitated, and taken hostage. So now him and Rhodey are at the same place, and Rhodey is being interrogated by Killian here and gets taken out of his suit so that the suit can be used to deceive the President of America on Air Force One. Tony MacGyvers his way into the mansion, and he also MacGyvers his way out of the mansion with uh, two pieces of his Iron Man suit arriving to save him and help break him out. Uh, and he finally meets Rhodey, where they realize the Iron Patriot suit has been stolen. Savin uses the Iron Patriot suit to kidnap the President, in which he'll put him over an oil rig for the ending scene of this movie. Alien tells the president that he's basically doing it because of an oil spill, and he wants to make it a big ironic showpiece for the Mandarin um, to mock the president because the president like cleared everyone's names off of an oil spill. No one really had to answer for it. But before this, there's a giant hole left in the plane of Air Force One, and 12 people falling, uh, free-falling, and... Iron Man needs to save them and it's one of my favorite parts of the movie it's so chaotic and the visuals are so cool Iron Man falling through the sky and saving all these people and um, he can only save four so he has to think of a way to actually save the people and they all connect hands and Iron Man does save the day and just as Iron Man's getting up on the bridge after he saves all these people he gets run over by a truck and we learn that Tony is actually manually piloting the suit from a different location with Rhodey in like the back of a van and uh, this is one of the first times we see this uh, we see this followed up on in a later movie I believe it's Spider-Man Homecoming where like we think Iron Man's in the suit but he's actually not in the suit um, it, it was a nice trick because you really think he is because they keep 
showing his face like he is in the suit. A plot point I didn't even like mention is that Pepper is being held hostage by Killian in this movie. She's the damsel in distress, um, unconventionally not really so much of a damsel by the end of the movie where she kind of saves herself. Um, there's a moment at the end of the movie where Tony literally sees Pepper die and he is shocked and it, it is like so much. Um, this is the moment in the movie where uh, Tony tells Jarvis that it's how the house party protocol must be put in order. And um, all the Iron Man suits show up to the fight to fight all the super, super enhanced extremist people. Um, the first mutants we ever get in the MCU. They are not referred to as mutants in this movie. However, they are mutated humans. So all the suits show up to the fight. There's one suit. I think, I think Tony calls him Igor and the suit is definitely like an early form of the Hulkbuster. So that is really cool. We get to see like the earliest form of Hulkbuster in this movie, even though in the special, um, presentations in the if you go to disney plus there's extras for for each movie i'm just learning and you can like see all the dvd extras on disney plus um and there's like really cool behind the scenes stuff if you like the marvel the special marvel behind the scenes presentations which i just watched all of those by the way um they are so good they have those for like iron man 3 the avengers you can go into the extras and see gag reels and deleted scenes um so i'd recommend doing that one of the people making the movie mentioned that not to confuse that suit with the Hulkbuster, but it's kind of ironic that it was two years previous to Avengers Age of Ultron coming out where the Hulkbuster would be introduced. Maybe they just didn't want to drop any hints, but accidentally did drop a hint towards that being introduced in a few years. But we see the Hulkbuster all the way back in Iron Man 3. It is totally a mock-up of the Hulkbuster. It looks just like it. When all the suits show up, Tony won't even give one to Rhodey, and that's something that I'll note. I just noted, and because it's just, it's just so Tony's, and not want to give Rhodey uh, one of his iron, like forty Iron Man suits, like all Mach forty one through uh, forty one show up, and Tony doesn't give any of them to Rhodey. So Rhodey decides to save the president. He does so heroically. He saves the president and gets his suit back and flies the president out of there. And that's the last we see of Rhodey in this movie. Tony's fight with Killian is really badass where Tony's going in and out of probably four to six Iron Man suits and they're all being destroyed throughout this fight. Tony chops off Killian's arm at one point with like a blade coming out of his suit showing us one of the earliest versions of the blade coming out of his suit in Infinity War. Tony's tech is always being updated throughout the Iron Man movies and the Avengers movies and it's really cool that they take so much time and extra effort to make it clear how much Tony really cares about his work. So we think Pepper is dead and Killian is responsible. So Iron Man goes all out on Killian um, until he thinks Killian's defeated when he puts uh, his Iron Man suit on Killian and explodes it, the Mark 42, um, which is just constantly being destroyed and reassembled in this movie. Um, he finally destroys it on Killian, but Killian isn't defeated. And at that moment, Pepper shows up and whacks him with a pole, launches a missile at him and blows him up with an Iron Man repulsor glove uh, after doing a superhero flip. So Pepper gets the highlight of the movie and the save of the day where she saves Iron Man's life. She's the damsel in distress uh, for a moment until she actually becomes her own hero. Prove his love to Pepper, Tony uses the clean slate protocol, which explodes the rest of the Iron Man suits that are at the oil rig 
like fireworks. Tony finally gets the shrapnel out of his heart, mentioning that he had the best sleep ever after he did so. And he throws the mini arc reactor that was in his chest into the water above where his mansion once stood. Tony's ending narration saying that his armor was never a distraction or a hobby. It was a cocoon. And now he's a changed man. And he goes on to say, I am Iron Man. And I almost forgot that he said that again in this movie. It's executed so badass that it doesn't even matter. And he could say it as many times as he wants. He is Iron Man. And that's like my favorite part about the series. Tony is self-indulgent and a little bit cocky, a little bit arrogant. But he has changed throughout the three movies in this trilogy. Tony really works through his PTSD in this movie. Something that this movie kind of previews to, in my opinion, is the vice president being compromised and working with Killian, kind of setting up the events of the president being kidnapped and everything. This is all thanks to the help of the vice president. And I only can wonder if he is also kind of connected to Hydra and it shows a little bit of what's to come in the Captain America and the Winter Soldier this movie wasn't like the other Iron Man movies, and every Iron Man movie kind of has its own feel. Uh, we don't get a lot of Tony in the suit in this movie, and even in the end of the movie, we get that feel like he's kind of MacGyvering his way through things. And if you haven't seen the show MacGyver or know the show MacGyver, I don't even think I've ever watched it. It's just like a phrase I've always used, um, re referencing a guy who can get himself out of sticky situations using what he has at his hands. And Tony does that throughout this whole movie, showing that, his intellect is intact and he doesn't just need the suit to be iron man uh the man makes the suit the suit doesn't make the man i like the idea of killian as a villain in this movie and the fact that he was kind of created by tony's ignorance before he was ever iron man and his demons actually coming back to haunt him and two mistakes he made like i said by rejecting killian and also by giving maya hansen literally the formula um of extremis and creating the villain like like physically creating um extremis uh tony nonchalantly gave her the formula to that and everything that they worked on off of that from that point for 13 years thanks to tony um and tony doesn't even really remember until he's reminded of it themes present in iron man 3 are identity fear and redemption uh, tony trying to figure out who he is outside of the avengers and outside of even being iron man um the fear of what's to come after the events of the battle of new york and redeeming himself by the end of the movie to pepper by destroying even all of his suits to show to show that he's not just iron man he is tony stark the christmas backdrop in this movie makes for a lot of fun and the snowy environment in tennessee gives a lot of contrast to when tony's out in california or malibu the film was directed by shane black opposed to john favreau who directed the first iron man films john favreau still takes his role of happy in this movie but this is the first iron man where we're getting aside from avengers obviously where we're getting a new director on iron man this movie really sets up avengers age of ultron in a really big way where when tony is not afraid and in fear and having these anxiety attacks he's working to prevent a greater threat and after seeing how tony is affected by the events of the battle of new york and avengers it's not a surprise to see why he would want to create create ultron in avengers age of ultron this movie is also really important in setting up like what Tony does in his free time between movies um, going forward. Even, you know, he's capable of creating 42 marks of different armors um, just between Avengers and this movie. So when we see his technology uh, advance and upgrade 
throughout the upcoming Avengers movies and Civil War and all that, um, it's not a huge surprise to us because we know how much Tony works on his technology. Stan Lee's appearance in this movie is him holding up the number 10 at what I believe is, it's not a fashion show. Um, I don't know what it is. It's like a talent competition or something. Uh, Stan Lee's holding up the number 10 really quick when Tony's in the uh, news van. In May, when this movie becomes 10, I just won't believe it because we haven't had an individual Iron Man film since the year 2013 at this point. And if RDJ ever comes back to be Iron Man for Iron Man 4, I think it would be really awesome. With all they're doing to set up the multiverse saga right now, to not think that RDJ would want to get in and play some Tony Stark variants, um, it, it just seems like nonsensical for him to not. Uh, I really want to see, I want to see more Iron Man. His sacrifice um, in Endgame will never be forgotten no matter what they do with the character of Tony Stark uh, because variants exist and that's where we are now. Um, if you're kind of a newer fan listening and you know you didn't care about the spoiler warning at the beginning um i'm kind of letting go of some major plot points for iron man going forward so i hope you heeded my spoiler warning uh, if not i'm sorry phase two is a lot like phase one where we get our main heroes that we've already kind of kind of gotten to know iron man thor captain america they get their own second releases in all their franchises and that all culminates into age of ultron with the final movie of phase two being ant-man finally introducing a new hero into the franchise Overall, I thought Iron Man 3 was a fantastic movie. We got to dive deeper into Tony Stark's character and who he really is under the suit. This movie laid the groundwork for future Marvel films always kind of having to have a result and fallout to previous films. And if Tony wasn't dealing with Aftermath from the Avengers in this movie, it almost feels like the cinematic universe wouldn't be like reflected on in the right way so i think it was a big deal for this movie to take avengers into account in a big way for tony's character arc and i think the movie did a tremendous job at that thank you very much for joining me for our iron man 3 after show i hope you enjoyed our discussion and analysis of the movie as scattered as it may be uh, that's kind of who i am as a human so my scattered brain kind of goes all over the place on the topics um However, I really enjoy discussing Marvel, and uh, as much as my ADD may shine through throughout these podcasts, I think it's still a great homage to the films. Iron Man 3 was a thrilling and action-packed adventure that saw Tony Stark face his toughest challenge yet. From his battle with the Mandarin to his struggle with PTSD, the movie was filled with exciting moments and powerful character development. If you have any positive feedback or suggestions for future episodes, email marvelmaniacpod at gmail.com. Remember, you can always stay up to date with all of our Marvel maniac madness and content by following us on tiktok twitter and instagram at marvel maniac pod and don't forget to like share and subscribe um, to our youtube channel now marvel maniac and mcu after show on youtube for more exciting content including shorts um, we're patreon.com slash marvel maniac where i'll be posting bonus content there there's some stuff from early episodes there now thank you again for tuning in and until next time avengers Disassemble.